0: And this helps you to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness <laughs> trends,
1: treatments, and experience. Back, no Magnesium way. is naturally found in foods like seafood. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency.
0: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free?
1: In honor of Women's History Month, we at Well and Good are running a series throughout the month of March reflecting on our evolving understanding of the gender binary and how the concepts of feminism and womanhood mean different things to different folks. From feminist writers, advocates, and public figures, we're passing the mic and highlighting what womanhood means to some of our favorite voices in wellness, the good, the bad, and the complicated. I'm senior producer Taylor Camille, and on today's episode— we have a reflection from Sherry Siadette about her never-ending journey to understand where she belongs and how embracing her unibrow has helped her along the way. Hello everyone, my
0: name is Sherry Siadat, and I am a multitude of many things. I'm a mother, I am a seeker, I'm a creator. I'm an inventor, I'm a dancer, I'm a jock, and I'm also the founder of Two Beauty. I've been in the business of trying to understand where I belong in this world. And that journey started when I was as young as I can remember. I am Iranian American, and I grew up in a very small town in Massachusetts where this narrative of other permeated through my being. And that was because I didn't really look like the kids that were in my neighborhood and in my class, and when you are surrounded in a sea of blonde hair and blue eyes, and you are dark brown hair, a mustache, a unibrow, hairy arms and legs, and get very tan in the summertime, you understand so clearly and distinctly how much you are not like the rest. And for me, that experience led to me feeling like I was less than. I didn't really have the emotional wherewithal to put language to how I felt. And so I always used like movement and fitness and being in nature and trying to like go through the issues in my tissues and like figure it out that way. And I was just always like hurting on the inside, but so joyful on the outside. By telling you the story, you would think I was like the class outcast, like in the corner. No, in fact, very successful in school, uh, you know, always playing sports and very popular. But that just goes to show how everyone has a narrative and a story, particularly around the way in which the world is socialized to believe that there is only one way of looking and being. And I think now we're living in a world where so many stories such as my own are coming out so we can really build a more inclusive world. As a result of that childhood pain, I thought, how am I going to help myself from this trauma? And an opportunity presented itself to me. In eighth grade, my family moved to Boca Raton, Florida, land of the free. And when I went there, I was like, that's it. If I tweeze my unibrow, like it was scheming, like hardcore. I was like, if I get my parents and my grandma to allow me to remove my unibrow, then my alibi will be on lock no one will know like who I was and I can be anyone I want to be very like Madonna at the time. I guess this is like 1993. They agreed. And and lo and behold, I looked at myself in the mirror when that final hairs were plucked between my eyes, which my grandmother very ceremoniously did in a, like a hotel bathroom. Cause our house wasn't even ready to move in yet. And I looked at myself and I could not believe t- I felt human. I didn't think I was human prior to that. And um, I think that's another reason why I wanted to always overachieve because when we talk about it from like a psychological perspective, when you don't feel like you're enough and valid, then you need to work harder than anyone else in order to receive love, in order to receive validation, in order to like feel good about yourself. That pattern is something that just until recently I've learned to unlock for myself. And that goes to show the following it is our responsibility as humans to help create an inclusive world where our differences are not made us to feel like we need to shapeshift or contour. On that journey, I went from eighth grade up until I was 37 years old. For 24 years, I was constantly conforming to Eurocentric forms of beauty, whether that was like waxing and lasering and tweezing obsessively, like, God, there's nothing I love more than not doing my homework and obsessively tweezing my unibrow. I ended up moving up to New Jersey when I was 16 and I went to NYU to study business. And I just kind of like kept on that hamster wheel and Lo and behold, I had a whole career in pharmaceuticals and I ended up getting married and having three kids. And my daughters, the first two were are blonde hair and blue eyed. And I felt like, oh, yeah, no one's ever going to know my dark hairiness now. You know, like my kids are giving me street cred. And then I had my youngest daughter. And the interesting thing was I didn't know her gender. And when I looked at her ultrasound photos, she looked so visibly different than the other child. I was like, this is definitely a boy. There's no way this is a girl. And so when she was born, I was like, what is it? And they're like, it's a girl. I'm like, what? It's a girl. And then I was nursing her the second day in the hospital and I was looking down at her and I was like, oh my God, this kid's going to have a unibrow. For the first time, I was 34 when she was born. Like I was like, oh my God, I got to deal with this now. It terrified me. And I just like, it came to my consciousness in about 10 seconds. And I buried it straight down. When she was around three years old, at this point, I'm like left the corporate world. And I was more in like the New York city philanthropy, like art, fashion world in the scene, so to speak. And experimentation with my appearance, depending on what event I went to was something that was highly desirable and in fact encouraged. And as I was kind of exploring who I am by using like my identity and the way I styled my hair and and my clothes and, and all that stuff to express all the different parts of me that existed, I got a little bit more confident to like show up as who I was and how I feel, which is really much the kind of the Genesis story of Tude. When Celine, my youngest, was three I had enough confidence and enough external validation from the world, from you know, the vogues putting you in roundups of best dress. And as terrible as it sounds, I have to really tell the true story. That really helped an insecure little Iranian girl growing up in this country when you know someone like Vogue would think that I was like well put together. And I had enough confidence to say, fuck it, I'm gonna grow my unibrow back. This kid is three years old. She is gonna inherit it. And if my children, and all of them, it's not just for my youngest, but they had to witness a woman stare at her own face in the face of a society that really wants to not allow me to live as I fully am, to not allow me to show up with the face that I was born with. Like We are in a system of socialization that Adheres to really Eurocentric forms of beauty. And I would even argue that today we are living in a curated diversity, that there still is not a true inclusive world, because even when we cast different ethnic groups, you'll always see that a lot of them actually have Eurocentric types of features but maybe with a different skin tone or whatnot, or maybe there's like an acceptable way of of being Middle Eastern to then be in a fashion ad. But if you like have a unibrow, there's no way they're going to cast you. When I grew my unibrow back, I could not believe how much that changed my complete aura and something that was in my Pandora's box for 24 years, like my deadliest secret. Like if someone found out I had a unibrow, I would I would want to just die. It's funny to say this to you now because I can't even believe that, but that is how much this controls you. And I know everyone has a, their own unibrow story, right? Like we've all been shamed in some fashion or another of something that we've been overcoming or hiding or contouring or whatnot. I thought I would write a children's book to talk about this discovery because I thought that people in my generation are already brainwashed. They don't really think that you know it's possible to, to grow a unibrow back at, in your late thirties. Like they're like, Oh, well, you're brave. They would say these things to me like, that's not for me, you know, or they would pass a lot of judgment about my appearance. Like, you were so much hotter without one. The funny thing is, is that I actually think there's nothing more hotter than being so comfortable and free in your skin. That is nothing that you can purchase in a bottle. And no one can also take that away from me. And that is the most liberating form of beauty that exists. As we're growing up in this society, Where there is more of a diverse body type and more of a curvier body shape that is promoted in the media. What's interesting to me is that my oldest daughter, who is quite um, slender and lean, has the same issues with her body that I had growing up in the 90s when Kate Moss was the epitome of beauty, and she sees Kim Kardashian as the gold standard. And it was hard for me to see that because I thought like they have this empowered mother, but she's like, mom, I'm so skinny. Like my arms, why are they so, why are they, why can't they be like thicker? Like you're so beautiful. Celine is so beautiful. I wish I had a bigger butt or she'll say all these things. I wish I had thicker thighs. And it just goes to show, right? The messages that, that we see and the messages that are heard in the media impact the mental health of everyone. So I just think that that's like a really interesting intersection because we have, she has what I wanted and apparently I have what she wants. That to me is an indicator that true like inclusivity and not feeling like there's one way that's promoted in the media, it is harming the world. My journey of writing a children's book, I thought that I should start with this fresh generation because they don't have the same biases that we all do. In that journey, I had turned to my book agent and I said to her, how can we create a complimentary product to bundle with this book? Because the book was about a little girl with a unibrow and it was called I Am Brave Like Frida. And I thought that if children could look at this unibrow and I as like their superhero mask, everyone has like a superhero and to like show up as yourself is truly an act of bravery. So I wanted children to be able to paint the parts of themselves that they love the most, or maybe a part that was painful, but then now they celebrate it. And her eyes got like really big. And she's like, I think that's a really good idea. We should explore that. And lo and behold, that is how I kind of stumbled into Tude beauty. I think being a, a, a female leader, is something that is interesting because nowadays more women are owning businesses and we didn't have necessarily examples growing up of so many female founded brands. When I grew up, I mean, my mom was a stay at home mom and a lot of the people I knew had stay at home moms. And maybe there was like one or two people in in your school that had like a, a mom that worked in a corporate office, but that, that was my experience and so when I started TUDE and I had never done anything like this before, not only am I trying to disrupt the beauty industry by being at the intersection of clean color, high performing cosmetics, which hasn't been done before, but also I'm trying to change the world. I'm trying to create an inclusive world. And then I'm also trying to create like a brand from scratch. And then also that brand is so personal to my life story. I didn't even know what the fuck I was signing up for. Like I, I was just like doing, cause it, it was so Embedded in my soul. And so when I started this, I think part of female leadership is that we want to give everyone a voice. We want to make everyone feel included. And we want to not have the patriarchal standard of like top down, but really like bringing power to and from instead of power over. However, what I learned in that experience is when you have almost like a kumbaya circle in that way of having so much openness and communication and clarity and and all that stuff, which is nothing I would change. But as a female leader, I think sometimes you're not taken as seriously because you actually are not powering over people, which is how they've been systemized and socialized to think how a boss should lead. So that can also attract people to work with you that could take advantage of that situation. I think it's a very important concept that still needs to be fleshed out. And I learned so much in the last two years from like running this business. Like I know how to run this business. and I know exactly the type of people I need around me to help build this business alongside of me, but I also know what doesn't work. And I think that's a pitfall of a lot of female leaders because we are trying to carve our own way. Thinking that feminism is a a new way forward. There's a way to kind of blend A combination of the two and so much of like my feminism is actually embracing the masculinity that exists within me as Tude is very like non-binary in that way i also feel that way like i'm a woman like i'm both that actually gives me tremendous strength because femininity was shoved down my throat to be soft beautiful focus only on my appearance almost being a subservient to a man being a stay at home mother, like these were messages all both from being Iranian and also like what I ingested in the eighties and nineties of like what a woman should be. And it's like, no, a woman can be like very strong and sweet and she can be soft in terms of caring and being, uh, embracing people and having tremendous empathy, but also not a pushover. These are new ways we are defining feminism moving forward, particularly like as my kids are part of Gen Z, we're seeing a new a new way. And that's what the F word, that's what the F word means to me. We're questioning the systems that we were raised in. And all of the questioning has allowed this like very fertile ground to allow like a new generation to say, okay, they questioned it. Like, why did they do that? We, we have consent and choice and we can create a new way forward. I also think like with Mother Earth, there is a connection there because Gen Z is inheriting an earth that is dying my love for the environment from being like a surfer and like owning horses and just being like so tied to nature. And like I said, when I was younger, that being such a healing property for me, the beauty industry is the most toxic pollutant, not only from the packaging that they use, but from the formulations and the chemicals that they put into your body. I was appalled when I entered. And so when I think about me as a mother, I think about my connection to mother earth And then I also think about like, how am I building a company that is not harming her is actually helping her. And so I only want to create solutions in terms of the products that are not only harming our bodies, our endocrine systems, but also not harming her. And I think that is also part of my feminism too. I really believe in non-binary beauty and non-binary beauty doesn't just mean gender because I think that creator energy is is non-binary. There's no gender involved with like creation and we're all creators. So we all need the tools to self-express. However, who said that blush goes on cheeks and lipstick goes on lips. That's binary beauty too. It's not just in the gender, but also the parts of the body and, and the face and the hair that we put makeup on. And so to open people's minds as to where makeup can be worn, who can wear makeup, how it should be worn, how it should be mixed. I really want to give people the permission to feel free and freedom is contagious. And literally the greatest gift you could give anyone, because I think so much pain that happens in this world are people conforming to boxes that they don't believe in, or even want to be in, but feel the pressure that they have to. And so- giving people not only personal consent to say, I want to wear a color cream across my neck, or I want to put glitter on my underarms, or I want to like paint my ankle. Like that's dope. And that is like a form of self-expression. And I think the world would benefit from more people feeling a connection to self. So really there's, this is an activist line, not only from making sure that there's environmentally friendly products making sure that the packaging is not harming earth but really also from the mindset if i can change someone's mind if i can spark consciousness if i can ask someone to say who made this rule for me did i choose this rule for myself did my family pass this down to me did my friends socialize me to feel this way I just want to remove restriction. We always say that like we're born whole and then everything is like done to us to make us feel like we're not whole. So really too, it is more about taking away what's been passed on to us versus doing anything else where I want the world to be. I want to live in a world where the way we physically look is not an indicator of success, is not an indicator of value, of status, of of anything other than individual authentic expression. I want everyone to be more focused on getting comfortable with learning who they are, meeting their shadow selves and feeling connection to their soul. Because when we're connected to our soul and we actually develop love for ourselves, That self-love is then passed on to others. And then when we love each other, there'll be less war and fighting going on and less toxicity passed on. And then we also honor mother earth because if we love ourselves, we don't want to harm other people either. Right now we're in a very critical time on planet earth. I think we've never seen so much disruption in terms of unhappiness, mental health, So much fighting so and such a division of like the haves and the have-nots. It's just like, it's too much for all of us. So like, how are we going to solve this? And the only way is solve it by working on yourself first, because you can't save the world unless you save yourself. Until you meet yourself, it's not even saving yourself, until you understand who you are. And when you understand who you are, that powerful, grounded connection to self and self-energy it's like a domino effect. It's a vibration. It's an energy that when you see it and experience it, it gives you ultimate power. And so that's where I want the world to go. And I want that taught in school. And I want that to be not an uncomfortable conversation to have with family members. And I want it to get normalized. What does a woman in wellness mean to me? It's funny because wellness is my go-to. Wellness of moving my body physically, wellness of like my spiritual practice, and then wellness in terms of my mental health. And then also my physical appearance. I think that when I move my body, it's always been a mechanism of self-discovery and it's allowed me to clear my head and also feel connection to myself. Like I know that sometimes when I'm feeling something psychologically, there's, I can attribute it to a certain part of my body where that's trapped. And so it's been very powerful for me as a woman to understand how my mental side is connected to my physical side. And then to have that knowledge, like an encyclopedia, it's so easy to like diagnose myself and be like, okay, Cher, you need to give yourself like some rest or you need to do that. And I think As women, we're like naturally more caregivers, but I think women oftentimes give so much to everyone else, they don't give enough to themselves. So that's a practice that I'm currently developing more and more. Something that listeners could do today to understand what their version of a unibrow story is, is to find a quiet space, close your eyes, take like a meditative stance, whether it's like sitting cross-legged on the floor, really feel grounded to the earth and close your eyes and really go back to your childhood and think about, was there a story that needed to be told about how you felt about yourself? Sometimes we don't realize subconsciously, like, whether a kid made fun of you in school or maybe highlighted you had big ears or you ran funny or your nose or anything, it could be like visually physical. And it could also just be like a mannerism, but a lot of those things are subconsciously buried down. And then we, we overcompensate for them. And we create these patterns for ourselves to to hide them. And if, if it doesn't come to you immediately to know, like, what is your version of a unibrow story? I really would recommend doing this work to go back and just think about, were there any experiences that made you feel bad and allowing them to really come to the surface? There's a form of therapy that I am personally implementing in my life is called the internal family system. And that is about cultivating yourself energy. And there's like the eight C's there's creativity, compassion, calmness, curiosity. Like I can look it up and read it off to you. But when I'm in a boardroom with myself, which is what I'm asking the listeners to do, I say, what are the parts that are coming up for me? And if it's like rage, if it's jealousy, if it's sadness, or if it's a wall, sometimes you see linkages between the two. Like I know that A part of me will overcompensate and go into go mode when I'm feeling stressed because I don't want that to like impact my sense of worthiness because the unibrow story made me feel less than. So if I overachieve and I crush it in life, then I'm going to try to keep that protected because that is deeply rooted in pain. There's also one other thing I wanted to say. I think black trans women are the strongest souls on earth. I spoke at Sky High Farms. They had their first kind of gala in May. I was um, upstate on their farm. And I was so fortunate to meet the women of like the Black Trans Liberation Movement. And one soul in particular, her name is Queen Jean. The act of bravery and the act of actually knowing who you are deep in your soul and then to like show up that way As much as I say I have to show up in a face of a society that doesn't accept me, what she has to go through on a daily basis is so much harder. And I just wanna give a shout out to all the women out there that know who they are. They may have been normalized and socialized to feel like there's something wrong with them showing up as who they are. And I just wanna say, I'm like your number one cheerleader and I really visibly see you. We don't do enough to honor the brave act of waking up and being like, this is who I am. That takes so much courage. It takes so much authenticity. And it also speaks volumes about their soul.
1: On today's show, you heard from Sherry Siadat. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Helena Rosen, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.